Welcome to The Higher Edge, a podcast for the brightest minds in higher education to hear from the change makers and rule breakers that are driving meaningful, impactful change for colleges and universities across the country. From improving operations to supporting student success, these are the stories that give you The Higher Edge. And now, direct from 2022's California Association for Institutional Research Conference. Your host, Brendan Aldridge. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Higher Edge. I'm Brendan Aldrich, and this week we're at the 2022 California Association for Institutional Research, or CARE, conference in sunny La Jolla, California. Founded in 1971, CARE is an organization that fosters unity and cooperation amongst those interested in institutional research and planning across California's colleges and universities. The annual conference takes place at locations across the state where these individuals and practitioners can gather to network and share information, practices, and strategies that can benefit every institution and its students. One of my favorite quotes from President John F. Kennedy is when he said, No American is ever made better off by pulling a fellow American down. And every American is made better off when any one of us is made better off. A rising tide raises all boats. And nowhere is that more true than at a conference, especially for institutional research. The collaboration that's in play here is fantastic, where uh, researchers and practitioners are sharing thoughts and ideas and studies and programs to help really raise higher education for every institution in California. Recorded live from the floor at the 2022 CARE Conference, we'll be diving deep into the world of institutional research. We'll be talking with Don Everhart, who is the Vice President of CARE this year, as well as talking with attendees about the conference itself and work at their own institutions. So let's jump right in and join Don, who, by the way, is also the Senior Director of Institutional Research for the AMDA College of Performing Arts in Los Angeles, California. So I'm here with Don Everhart, who is the Vice President of of CARE, the California Association for Institutional Research. Don, welcome on the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. So, Don, first of all, if you wouldn't mind for our listeners, could you tell them a little bit about CARE, the organization? Certainly. So this is an association that promotes the professional development of institutional researchers in California and folks interested in promoting the same. That's fantastic. And for a lot of people who might not be in California, California really has uh, an amazing system of higher education. There's, I believe there's 115 California community colleges, the 23 California state universities, of course, the University of California system. And that's also not including the uh, AICCU, the Association of Independent California Colleges and Universities. So a ton of higher education and a ton of institutional research that's going on here in the state of California. Is that right? That is both correct and detailed. Uh, and, and one of the reasons that, that I personally participate in CARE and, and have volunteered my, my way up to uh, being vice president is because as, as a person who works in institutional research at an independent college here in California, it provides the opportunity to work with that whole community. Sometimes I think that folks from some of those larger state systems have a few more opportunities to network and learn from one another. And it's great to be able to both meet with them and to try and get a little more of that going for independence uh, with the organization as well. In my experience, it's 
probably the best way I have as an independent uh, college representative to be able to meet with people and find out what's going on in our field and find out what's going on in the state. And collaboration is such an important part of the CARE event. And speaking of which, we are actually recording live from the floor here at the CARE conference in La Jolla, California. We're at the beautiful Hyatt Regency Hotel here in La Jolla. And the uh, conference itself, how, how were things over the course of the pandemic when it was certainly more difficult to meet in person? We, we had a few different versions of the CARE conference since 2020. And uh, I, I started being involved as a volunteer with the CARE board when we were setting up a virtual conference for fall 2020. And we had to delay and otherwise change some things around to make sure that we could maintain our commitments to beautiful hotels like this one. Uh, speaking of, of this one, this is one accommodating venue they shifted the contract for us to have this conference to this year uh, so that we could hold an in-person event of our close to our usual size this year. And this is the first in-person care since the beginning of the pandemic? We've had one in between. So in 2020, we had a, a virtual conference, which went pretty well considering the, the circumstances. In 2021, we had a conference in Lake Tahoe. That was, uh, I would say, only for the brave, but we still had a a wonderful community of folks turn out for it. Well, that's fantastic. Well, and it seems like it's been a great event so far. Congratulations on yet another successful CARE event. We'll look forward to uh, talking with and connecting with a number of the people that are walking around here at CARE and hear more from their experiences. But thanks for coming on the show, Don. Terrific. Thanks for having me. The California Community Colleges are the largest system of higher education in the world with nearly 2 million students enrolled at the colleges within the system. As you can imagine, the system contains both larger and smaller colleges across the state, and our next guest is from Imperial Valley College that is a bit more in the middle. Let's talk with Oliver Zimbrano. So, Oliver, you've been here at the CARE Conference. What's one of the things that you really enjoy about this conference? Well, this is my, this is actually my third CARE Conference. Uh, one of the things that I really enjoy is that I come from the Institutional Research Department. We're a small department. We're just two individuals, the uh, Associate Dean of Institutional Effectiveness, Jose Carrillo, and myself, the uh, Research Analyst. And uh, sometimes uh, we want to gauge ourselves with our college. So I think that coming to CARE is a great opportunity to gauge yourself as a college to see where you stand. Uh, sometimes we think that we're not doing so well, but it's not one, until we get here that once we start seeing what other colleges are, are doing, we realize that we're not in such a bad standing. But we also realize that there's still a lot more improvement that could be done in our areas. Well, and Imperial Valley, a lot of people who are not in California may not know that the California Community College System is the largest system of higher education, I believe, in the world. But it's made up of colleges that are smaller colleges and much larger colleges. Uh, Can you mention a little something about Imperial Valley? Yeah, so Imperial Valley, we're one district, one college. Uh, We're roughly about 10,000 to 11,000 students per year. Our fall semester, which is usually our highest enrollment, we're currently about anywhere between 7,500 to 8,500 students. Population is usually about 91% Hispanic students because of the uh, population around us. We're uh, what you would consider a border town. Mm -hmm. We're uh, 20 minutes away from the U.S.-Mexican border. And for uh, many of our students in in our local high schools, we're usually their first option. 
Hmm. And the reason for that is because there's not really too many options around that area. Imperial County is, has a population of about 180,000 individuals. And the only uh, higher education uh, institutes there are Imperial Valley College or the extended campus for San Diego State. Gotcha. So unless they travel out from Imperial, usually we tend to be their first option. That's fantastic. And then, so in the conference, has there been a session that you've attended that you found particularly interesting? Uh, yes, uh, there, there is quite a few inter- uh, sessions that I find interesting. It's always uh, interesting to, to uh, attend the sessions that are provided by the chancellor's office. There's a lot of new initiatives that are going out there, such as the uh, student funding formula, such as the AB705. So it's always nice to just come here and get the uh, late- latest updates from them. I know the student-centered funding formula has been uh, sort of top of mind for a lot of the campuses around the system, uh, just because it is going to really uh, influence the funding that each of the campuses and districts uh, receives from the chancellor's office. Uh, correct, correct. Uh, I mean, I could say that uh, Imperial Valley Colleges has been one of the uh, colleges that we consider ourselves a majority-minority college. So, so the funding formula has been really beneficial to our college. But uh, as you mentioned, it is a hot topic currently, that, uh, and uh, we do foresee uh, changes in the upcoming future as well. Perfect. Well, Oliver, thank you for coming on the show. No, no, thank you for the invitation. <laughs> Next, I had a chance to catch up with Dr. David Ulate, Executive Director of Institutional Research and Planning for the Foothill De Anza Community College District, located right in the heart of the Silicon Valley. David is fantastic, and in fact, he and I co-presented at the conference on Shoppers and Droppers, which is an area of research where we're looking to better understand why some students who are accepted at community colleges don't enroll for classes, what we call shoppers, and those who do enroll but then drop all of their classes prior to census date, what we call droppers. All of this being done with an eye towards how we might support these students to become and remain enrolled students. Let's meet David. So I'm here with David Ulate, who is the Executive Director of Institutional Research and Effectiveness with the Foothill De Anza Community College District. Hey, David, thanks for coming on The Higher Edge. Oh, thank you. Great to be here. So, David, how has your CARE conference been? It's been good. You know, it's not my first CARE conference, uh, but I've been to some really interesting sessions, and I've enjoyed it so far like I've enjoyed all the other ones. Now, you and I were just talking about a, uh, was it one of the segment meetings that you were at? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to a session specifically on community college enrollment and looking how enrollment has changed, particularly post-pandemic. And were there any interesting insights that jumped out of you from the session? Yes, there was one that really caught my attention, and it was when the presenter... John Hetz works at the state level, and he specifically called out the need now for colleges in particular to look at how, look at the data throughout the registration process. So now not looking at necessarily enrollments, but once courses started, what are the data showing as students are registering and going through that registration process? And I, I just thought that was really interesting. It sounds like it. So, and tell us a little bit about uh, Foothill De Anza. So Foothill De Anza, we are a two-college district located in the heart of Silicon Valley, so Cupertino and Los Altos. We serve about 60,000 students a year. We have a strong online presence. Um, yeah, we've been around for quite some time as well. 
And I understand you did a presentation at the conference as well. You've got two presentations you're doing at the conference. I do, yes. I have one presentation did uh, focusing on enrollment, uh, droppers and shoppers, so students who want to register but don't or do register but then drop all their classes. And then I'm doing another presentation on budgeting and scheduling. And the reason why, circling back to the John Hetz presentation, why that particular statement really stood out to me was because our research is showing some interesting findings around students when they are looking to register for classes, when do they actually drop all of their classes. And so in hearing John talk about the need for colleges to look at registration data, I thought to myself, wouldn't it be valuable for a statewide analysis to look at students as they are registering? Because now, with so many online options available, to think of a student as a student of one college, I think we're missing, we're potentially missing the boat a little bit. There are a lot more statewide options. Especially when you then couple into that, I know with the California Community Colleges and you have the, uh, the CBC OEI, which is the California Virtual Campus Online Education Initiative, nice. which acts as kind of like a virtual uh, reciprocity or articulation arrangement mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. students at one campus can take online courses offered by another college and know that that class will be able to be brought back into their academic record. That there's a lot of interest now on uh, student enrollment and registration patterns, as you mentioned, as well as how that may overlay with what's going on with student enrollments uh, within CVC OEI. Right. Right. Yeah. So what we are seeing initially is that a lot of the courses in which students are shopping for, they're looking at and dropping where they actually drop their registration. There's a lot of similarities between what's happening at Foothill De Anza and what's what students are looking for through this CVC OEI uh, course exchange system. So it lends it to students are statewide students now. Well, and I think just to throw that in, because I thought it really fascinating, you had shared in your presentation some information around sort of the top types of courses that were both the, the ones most dropped by these dropper students at Foothill De Anza, and, and they happened to be the same classes, uh, types of classes that were being searched most often within CVC OEI. Can you share what the classes, what the class subjects were? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it was, let's see, it was math, computer science, biology, psychology, and I'm missing one. So all the easy subjects. Right. <laughs> yes. Oh, statistics. <laughs> well, see, right, right in that easy. Yeah, because as a former high school math teacher and a current now researcher and statistician, the fact that math and stats were up there on that list, it hurt me a little. <laughs> <laughs> well, David, I don't want to keep you from the rest of the conference, but thanks for dropping by and sharing some of your thoughts on how things are going. Sure thing. Thanks, Brendan. Hey, for everyone listening, hang tight. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be back in just one minute. All colleges and universities face challenges in advancing the mission of higher education. Some problems impeding your progress are known, but others are invisible, hidden, impossible to address. Invoke Learning changes everything. Built on revolutionary technology that's light years beyond anything you've seen yet, our leading edge data platforms and deep analytic solutions Give institutions of higher education some real-life superpowers to support the entire student journey. Ask questions you never imagined could be answered. Get unprecedented insights that lead to mission-impacting action. 
What's holding you back today from taking your mission further tomorrow? Find out and discover just how far you can go. Contact Invoke Learning at www.invokelearning.com. Invoke Learning. This is education empowered. Thanks so much for listening to our sponsor. Let's get back to the show. UC Davis is a public institution that's also considered one of the nation's public ivies. It's a doctoral research university that is geographically the northernmost location of the 10 University of California campuses located near Davis, California, which, by the way, is often referred to as the most bicycle-friendly town in the world. Let's meet Erica Jackson, Associate Director of Institutional Research, and Nick Barbalesco, Program Manager for Business Intelligence at UC Davis. I'm here with Erica Jackson and Nick Barbalesco, both from UC Davis at the CARE Conference. How's the show been for you guys? You know, so far, so good. It's just, uh, what I really like about CARE is not only that there are a lot of really relevant presentations to IR subject areas from, you know, across the map, assessment and student retention and all the IR subjects, but also that we get to sort of network and sort of see people in person, especially after the pandemic. It's really nice to reconnect with our colleagues and pick up some really great tidbits of, you know, advice and um, best practices and just kind of reconnect with people too, so that we can reach out if we have questions about things in the future. That's fantastic. And then has there been a a favorite session so far or something that you remember that's jumped out from one of the presentations? Yes, I think, you know, I really enjoyed yesterday's keynote luncheon, which was called IR and Assessment Connections in Support of Data Literacy for Improvement. Um, And Natasha Jankowski did a great job of making us all feel like we were seen and that our role as institutional researchers is very complex and that we were both trying to, you know, sort of articulate lots of points about the data, but also, you know, be advocates for change at the same time. And that's a difficult dual role. So I really enjoyed her her talk Mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah, I think she identified a lot of the pitfalls that we typically have with data. You know, we think the job is done when we've handed it off. And then we get wildly disappointed when the change doesn't happen. But she like recognized that and then gave suggestions of, you know, how to make that go a little further than it often does. Well, and I've had talks with a number of different people, so it's always very different depending on what type of institution that you work for. Mm -hmm. You know, are you at a community college? Are you at a Cal State, which operates a little bit different from typical UC or R1 research institutions? What is institutional research like when you're at UC Davis? I mean, it's a really cool job. Like we always say, like none of us, you know, had this as our career goal when we were 10. Um, But I feel like (laughs) at UC Davis, I think it puts us in the middle of a bunch of really fascinating conversations. I think, you know, often in some of these conversations we hear like, oh, how do you get a seat at the table? And I think we're really lucky to have a seat at pretty much every important table. It gives us the opportunity to say, you know, I see this from lots of different angles and here's some data that you, you might want to use, might not want to use, but, you know, you can see the whole place, I think. Are there, as you're talking about institutional research, are there particular trends in institutional research that you see as being particular key or relevant at this time that might have been different from a few years ago? The expansion of the focus on achievement gaps and how we're serving all of our students and the responsibility of our institutions to serve the students that we get and that we have, not just how to get better students and have, you know, better rankings because they have higher SAT scores. You know, that feels like a big shift to me in the last 
10 years. And actually, and that ties in, uh, there was a news article that actually got published was. today <laughs> about Harvard and Yale both deciding to pull back from a particular large ranking system just for that reason. Indeed. A fascinating article, and we will see where that goes. The law school, so it'll be interesting to see if the, you know, Harvard and Yale as the overall institutions pull out too. That's very cool. Well, both of you, thanks for coming on the show and sharing a little bit about uh, your experience here at CARE this year. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so been much, fun. Brandon. Finally, I had a chance to check in with Michael Lee, Director of Institutional Research, Analytics, and Reporting at Cal Poly Humboldt. Now, if that name sounds somewhat new, it's because it is. Humboldt State University, which was also previously known as the California State University Humboldt, has now become the third polytechnic university within the California State University system. Now, Mike is an amazing researcher and leader who often brings an innovative approach to his work, and uh, you'll hear a bit about that during this next quick segment. Let's jump in. So I'm here with Michael Lee, who is the Director of Institutional Research, Analytics, and Reporting for the new, I should say, Cal Poly Humboldt here in California. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So, Mike, you've been uh, now, we're about a day and a half or uh, about a day and a half into the conference. And how has your experience been? Experience has been pretty amazing. It's great to be back here in person. Um, I led the CSU segment meeting uh, this year, which was was a lot of fun. Um, We have 77 people from the CSU segment. So one in five people walking around the conference here are from, from our segment. That's fantastic. Actually, and I've been seeing people posting about that segment on social media. Uh, I understand you ran a special exercise during the segment meeting. I did, yeah. So we had uh, two different team building activities this year. So in the years past, we spent about an hour or so introducing ourselves and our teams and talking about issues on our campus. Um, After the pandemic, I wanted to try something different. Um, With hybrid meetings and Zoom meetings and Slack channels, we have all kinds of ways to share that information and stay in touch from Humboldt in Northern California to San Diego in Southern California. So instead, when we came together, I thought I would do uh, team building exercises. So the first team building exercise was to get your team to graduate college. Uh, So so what we did is we set up a um, a 12 by 4 grid uh, of tape on the floor uh, teams had five minutes to discuss their strategy, and then they had to work in complete silence and navigate their entire team across uh, this 4 by 12 grid uh, in order to get to success. The thing about this activity was is it was actually meant to make them want to collaborate more, but because they couldn't talk and they had the gesture, they were having to hold back a lot of that, that team dynamic. So, so this entire activity was about forcing them to do something where they wanted to interact and collaborate to build that tension. So then we did the second activity, which was teams of five built, um, it's called the Spaghetti Marshmallow Challenge. A, does a Spaghetti Marshmallow Challenge? Spaghetti Marshmallow Challenge, okay. yes. So if you, if you Google it, you'll find the TED Talk about it. Uh, in this version, we gave people two sheets of paper, 22 pieces of spaghetti, a marshmallow, a yard of string, and a yard of tape. And they had to make the highest freestanding structure that they could with the marshmallow on top. Interesting. And they were, were they allowed to take the marshmallow apart or it had to remain intact? Or it that ha- was one of the options? It had to remain intact. Okay. Though folks asked if they could take it apart and use it to stick to the, uh, the spaghetti sure. together. Um, what the task teaches you, though, and, and the, the people who get it uh, right or, or the most right uh, and build the highest structure are actually young children. So one of the things that young children do that adults lose is young children prototype. So they, from the very beginning, incorporate the marshmallow into their structure and keep building and building and building. 
The rest of us, we plan, we try to strategize how to build the biggest thing. And sometimes there's value in prototyping. And so it's a ta-da or a uh-oh moment. <laughs> so if you don't build the marshmallow in, you start building the structure, you put the marshmallow on top, and the whole thing topples over. And it was supposed to be ta-da, but it ends up being uh-oh. Got it. And so uh, how many teams did you have that were working through the exercises during the segment meeting? So we had 60 people in the segment meeting. So we had uh, about 10 teams uh, working on the Marshmallow Challenge. And did the teams give each other names or how did you know how to refer to each team? Oh, you know, what? so what we did is we just um, we randomly signed people around the room to numbers and each of them grabbed a supply and they made uh, they made their own groups. So the, um, the learning outcome of this activity was about meeting two new people that you didn't know coming into the segment. Because in the years past, we'd spend an hour introducing ourselves, but you never actually get to talk to somebody. Right. So with this activity, number one, we forced people to want to have collaboration. So then when they got a chance to actually collaborate, they did. <laughs> That's amazing. And I could tell from all the social media posts that it seemed like everybody had a great time during the exercises as well. That's fantastic. I haven't seen the, the post yet, so I can't <laughs> wait to go read them. Good. And then the other thing you and I were just talking about is the, the value you were talking about in-person events like this and being able to really collaborate with a lot of different peers. Yeah, you get to have those, uh, those side conversations that really change the, the conference for you, but a place for you to actually you know, talk to peers and someone else and say, I'm having this problem, are you having that problem? And you find a little nook, you grab a, a cup of coffee and you have that conversation. You just can't do that in the Zoom room. You can try in a breakout room, but it's just not the same. Well, and being able to work with so many peers from so many different institutions, because even though we all have individual cultures and and people and, and students that, that you're working with, it's the idea of sometimes we come across the same challenge. Mm-hmm. And just knowing how somebody else is or is a, or has tackled that can be really insightful. You are absolutely right. I couldn't agree more. Perfect. Well, Michael, thanks for coming on the show. Have a great conference. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Earlier this year, Forbes.com published an article called The Role at Research at Universities, Why It Matters, by David Rozowski. Now, there was a part in that article where he said that, quote, research is essential to advancing society, strengthening the economy, driving innovation, and addressing the vexing and challenging problems that we face as a people, place, and planet. In so many ways, institutional research accomplishes this by improving the organizations and supporting the advancement of generations of students across this country. I am a huge fan of institutional research, and I am sending a big thank you to everyone who attended and participated in this year's California Association for Institutional Research Conference in La Jolla, California, including our guests on today's episode. Don Everhart, Vice President of Care and Senior Director of Institutional Research for the AMDA College of Performing Arts, Oliver Zambrano, Research Analyst with Imperial Valley College, David Ulate, Executive Director of Institutional Research and Planning for the Foothill De Anza Community College District, uh, Karen Jackson, Associate Director of Institutional Research, and Nick Barbalesco, Program Manager for Business Intelligence at UC Davis, and finally Michael Lee, Director of Institutional Research, Analytics, and Reporting for the brand new and exciting Cal Poly Humboldt. And for everyone listening, I'm Brendan Aldrich, and we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to The Higher Edge. For more, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, leave us a review if you loved the show, and be sure to connect with Brendan on LinkedIn. Know someone who's making big changes at their higher ed institution that belongs on this podcast? Drop us a line at podcasts at thehigheredge.com. The Higher Edge is sponsored by Invoke Learning in partnership with Westport Studios.
Views and opinions expressed by individuals during the podcast are their own. See how Invoke Learning is empowering higher education at invokelearning.com. Dot com.